That's me throwing my questions away for Merrill Hodge in the last segment. <laughs> Goodness gracious. My man can talk about Drake May not being an NFL quarterback, can he? How are you feeling, Fitty? Are you okay? People were asking about you on the text line. Lots of people tuned in saying, who is this guy? It was Merrill Hodge, the great Merrill Hodge, that has had some pretty key hits on NFL draft prospects before, but clearly does not like Drake May. And so people were asking, one, who is this? Two, how is Fitty dealing with all of the Drake May criticism that Hodge brought to the table? I think we know why he's no longer at ESPN. Oh, we're going to say that after he's off the air. Right, and Fitty, you did just say, hold on, you was just talking about how much you used to love Ed's NFL matchup. Now, don't be a hypocrite. Dude, I loved Merrill Hodge as a kid growing up. I'd get up at 6.30 on Sunday to watch NFL matchup. (laughs) Him and Ron Jaworski and Sal Palantonio. Let's just say, Fitty, I know you like a book. You didn't like it because he was talking about a guy that you love. If he said it about a quarterback that you agreed with, you would be lockstep with him and what he had to say. And I think that's the problem a lot of people have with what he has to say, that they're Drake May fans, and so they don't want to hear it. But if it was about Caleb Williams or maybe some of the other prospects, I'm not sure that that would be the case. No, but I, and we have Fire Fizzle. With the, we can do yeah, this. Yeah, we be- do. We need to do this well, in another step. okay, I promise. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> we have enough time because we got out early because I didn't know if we were going to be able to get out if we asked him another question. Well, you know, yeah. and I, I thought about hitting the foul line intro when he got off the phone. <laughs> I just I, did, I, I just didn't want to run the risk of maybe he was listening by chance or his people were listening. And he immediately gets shredded 10 seconds after getting off the telephone. Okay, so but there we, are people that agree with him as well on the text line. Uh, our texters aren't the smartest people either, Wes. <laughs> All right, fire fizzle. Let's get to it. Y'all taking up my damn time. This is Wes's airtime. Okay, he hasn't <laughs> had enough today. <laughs> he hasn't had enough. He needs more. It's fire or fizzle. Greatest leaps in sports with it being leap day. I like this idea. You I like saw it. it late. And so I like all of these that are mentioned. Let's okay. go to the first one. It's probably the one I think of most if you're to think of best jumps in sports history. Mm-hmm. Bob Beeman. Long jump record set in 1968. He floats through the air. It's still one of the best sports photos of all time. Fire fizzle, West Bryant. Six seconds is all it took for Bob Beeman to leap his way into history. He jumped in incomprehensible 29 feet, two and a half inches. Not only did he become the first 29-foot long jumper that day, but he became the first to pass 28 feet, two. He snapped the existing mark by almost two feet. The night before the finals, he had all types of stuff going on. I mean, he had lost his scholarship to Texas El Paso for participating in a boycott with other blacks of a meet against Brigham Young. It was crazy. He wasn't getting along with his wife. I know a lot of y'all can relate to that. Okay. But Beeman's world record stood for 23 years <laughs> until it was finally broken in 1991 when Mike Powell jumped 8.95 meters at the World Championships in Tokyo. But Beeman's jump is still the Olympic record and 55 years later remains the second longest win legal jump in history. So Bob Beeman, for all the issues that you had going on that night, you put it all to the side and you came out and you got the job done for a record that is still one of the greatest records today. So what the hell you think I'm about to say? Bob Beeman's long jump record is straight fire! It's still one of the best. Some people will tell you that sports feats in the past don't hold up as much. One thing that comes to mind is the Willie Willie Mays over the shoulder catch. It's like, okay, we see that all the time. That still holds up. The Bob Beeman jump, the photo, is still glorious. We move on. My favorite dunk contest of all time. 
Vince Carter winning in 2000. That's right. I don't know which leap in particular you're going with. Maybe it's the between the legs. Maybe it's the honey dip. Maybe it's the 360 from the uh, from the baseline. Or maybe it's all the leaps. Okay? We're talking about the 2000 NBA Slam Dunk Contest. Pick one. I mean, which one could I pick? There's so many. The two-handed slam dunk from just inside the free throw line. The behind-the-back board windmill slam dunk. Off the bounce between the legs slam dunk. I mean, the do you realize my entire forearm is inside of this basket slam dunk? And then that 360 windmill slam dunk that set the doggone thing off. Vince Carter, I don't care what you say. You can at me at West Bryant underscore 72. Greatest in-game dunker and the greatest slam dunk contest performance of all time. Vince Carter, yes, I'm giving a Tar Heel credit. And yes, I'm saying a Tar Heel is straight. Fire BC and Canada. Merrill Hodge thought it was trash when he evaluated that dunk contest. <laughs> that was terrible. All right. Next one. Baron Davis. Dunk on Eddie Griffin. A few to choose from here as well. Charlotte Hornet. Baron Davis. The Eddie Griffin dunk from Charlotte Hornet. Yes. Baron Davis. Fire fizzle. Baron Davis back in January 26th of 2002. Baron Davis made a highlight that would live in Hornets history forever. Coming off of the right wing, he dribbled to the left. Steve Francis fell down in the process. He went to the rack. And you know what BD did once he got in the air? He was going to punish somebody. I I mean, he had the crazy dunk on Andre Karolinko, one of the greatest facials of all time. But in the Queen City, we got him dunking on Eddie Griffin, former parade All-American, former parade player of the year, Eddie Griffin. And also in that game, BD dropped 34, going 13 of 25 from the field and 6 of 10 from three with 11 dimes. So Baron Davis for the Charlotte Hornets nostalgia is the rate. Fire! Word to the high! What about his blind man bluff dunk contest dunk? That's pretty fizzle, I yeah. guess. Yeah, that was pretty bad. But not that one. That was fire, and so we move on. <laughs> Next one. Charlotte's very own. That's right. Dwight Clark, uh-huh. the catch uh-huh. on Fiddy's Cowboys. Uh-huh. Fire fizzle West. Listen, January 10th, 1982. 58 seconds left in the game. 49ers faced a third down and three on the Cowboys' six-yard line. Joe Montana dropped back to pass. The pressure was coming. People were covered. So what did Joe do? He did what he does best. He improvised. He threw it up in the back of the end zone. And waiting there, fresh out of the Queen City, fresh out of Garinger High School, Dwight Clark made a leaping grab in the back of the end zone to complete a six-yard touchdown pass for the 49ers to take out the Cowboys 28-27. This play is widely regarded as one of the greatest plays in NFL history. Came at the end of a 14-play, 83-yard game-winning drive. The catch symbolized the end of the Cowboys' domination in the NFC since the conference's inception in 1970 and the beginning of the 49ers' rise to an NFL dynasty in the 80s. Folks, you know me. You know what team I cheer for. And then we add in an element to the city that I love so much where I'm from. We're talking about Dwight Clark. We're talking about Garrett High School. If they had 22 Dwight Clarks, they would be one of the best high schools in the nation. But they're not. No shade to Garrett, but maybe just a little bit. Okay. But Dwight Clark's catch is straight fire legendary. Go yourself. What was that for? Because you're, it's over the Cowboys, man. 
that he's Cowboys got beaten that leap. That's a tough leap for him to relive on Fire Fizzle. <laughs> Last one, maybe the most famous leap of all time, too. I think of Bob Beeman, but this is maybe next or even beats Bob Beeman. Michael Jordan, free throw line, turned out to be a logo. Jump man himself. Tell us what you think, Wes. I mean, after breaking his foot in his sophomore year, Jordan was back to kill in the 86-87 season, averaging 37 points a game. But he just did not want to conquer the NBA. He said he was going to go to the 1987 NBA All-Star Game, and he was going to conquer that too. He was one of the favorites alongside Clyde Drexler and Terrence Stansberry, wherever he is. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the dump may not have been a clean takeoff from the charity stripe. The left foot was slightly inside of the line. But then he launched into the air, double-clutched the ball before dunking it with grace and power. It only got a 49, but the impact of it was a 1,000, a 1 million, whatever number you want to put on it. The 1987 slam dunk really started the ball rolling for Michael Jordan becoming the man who could fly. You had the posters on your wall. You got the T-shirts. You watched the videos. You watched Come Fly With Me. Michael Jordan coming from the free throw line is straight. What the hell you think I was going to say? It's straight fire. It's all fire. Straight fire for today, the leap year on leap day. Fitty, cut the music off before I leap over the board.